0: You can shop for shoes you can shop for shares so as women we need to move from being consumers to being investors
1: hi i'm julie hyde and i'm passionate about inspiring leaders to step up and lead and be powerful role models for those around them my guests are all doing just that and i ask them to share how they are making it count and how they have created their success I can't wait to share their amazing stories with you. My guest today is Karen Ely. Karen is the founder of Women Talking Finance, which provides money coaching and financial literacy services specifically to women. As a former financial advisor for over 15 years, she saw the need to assist women better engage with their finances and set about to do just that. This is a really insightful chat with Karen and We explore the behavioural and psychological factors behind how we treat money and why we do what we do in this space. We also chat about what being more financially savvy does for you. And Karen shares some really pragmatic tips for you to do this. I think you'll want a pen and paper for this one to take down some notes as Karen is really generous in what she shares. So enjoy my chat with Karen.
0: Karen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. And I'm really excited to chat with you today about all things money, which is super, super important and intertwines into all areas of our lives. So, shall we just get straight into it? Let's do it. Amazing. So, I'd love if we can just start at the very beginning and if you could share with
0: us a little bit about your journey and how you landed to where you are today. Sure. So I was raised by a single mum, my three, my two sisters and I, and uh, she did it all by herself. She was very independent and didn't really have a choice. So I learned very early on in life that a man was not a financial plan and I needed to be financially independent myself. So I studied accounting at university and left there to work in one of the big four banks uh, and was there for several years. But I didn't find it very fulfilling as I found the culture was very much like they'd you know, been working there for 20 years and most of them were just holding out for their retirement pensions. And as a 20-something year old, I didn't really find it very, you know, motivating. So I left the bank and joined a small financial planning practice. And look, they really took a chance on me because I was their first female in a higher level than or role than an admin role. And they really saw the need for women to be out there providing financial advice. So I was there for a few years and then personal reasons took me over to Sydney to live and I went and worked in the headquarters of the financial planning firm there. So I worked as an auditor and in technical services for several years. So in technical services, I got to learn a lot about the different strategies that investors can use, and then went from there into auditing. So I spent a couple of years traveling around Australia, seeing the best and let's say average financial advice that was being provided to, to clients. Upon returning to Adelaide four years later, I went back to my old practice and I borrowed $650,000 $650,000 to buy into the practice. And when I reflect back on that now, it was quite a brave thing to do for a 34-year-old. Yeah. Um, however, I was really certain that this was a career path I wanted to take and was really passionate and interested in financial advice. So I was there in that practice for 14 years. And during that time, I got married had two children, got divorced. And in 2019, I decided I wanted to take a different approach to the way that I help clients. So moved into starting my own business, focusing on financial education and coaching.
1: Mmm. I love what you said at the start there, a man's not a financial plan. That's an awesome quote and and really true. So you learned that from an early age and you were the first female into like a higher level than admin in financial planning, which is fantastic. So there's lots of um, things that you've achieved there and then moved into your own business, which is very exciting. And as you say, that's also a very um, courageous move. Yes, I guess it is, looking at thinking it that way, yes. Yeah, for sure. So you were a financial planner for many years, like you say, and then you jumped out of that to be a money coach for women specifically. What was the catalyst for change and why
0: the focus on women? As a financial advisor, I saw a real need for unpacking the behaviours around why people do what they do with money Because when I worked as an advisor, I'd put together a rational financial plan for clients. So it would be, you know, save this much a month, put some extra money into your mortgage and superannuation and start investing. And then I'd meet with those clients 12 months later for a review and they'd either done half of the things on the list or taken a completely different approach and decided to borrow more money to buy a car or upgrade their home, putting huge financial pressures on themselves or just not taking a really rational approach to the way that they manage money. So when I saw this over and over again, year after year, I got really curious around behavioral finance and the psychology of money. Mm. And what I discovered is that too many of our financial decisions are made from our emotional brain rather than our rational brain. So I wanted to work with clients to unpack this so they could make long lasting and sustainable changes for the better in how they manage their money. And to answer your question why women, well, firstly, they're fun to work with and I appreciate many qualities that women have, being one myself, but I also saw that as a gender we come up against some real challenges and I wanted to be part of the solution to that issue. Yes. Yeah, so I worked predominantly with women in my first year of the business but then I also found the need for women that were in a relationship to work with her as a couple as well because the husband or partner would get really curious as, oh, you've made these really good changes, like maybe I need to go and see Karen. And so then I uh, have started doing a lot more work with women in, in couples as well and to help couples get on the same page financially because often we come from different backgrounds and have different values or approaches or views on the way that we should manage our money and how it should be spent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, yes, I totally agree with you that women are are a whole lot of fun. (laughs) And I, I love that. So you're really empowering people to take control and to create much better habits with their money beyond you telling them what to do because it's great for you to put a plan together for them and say, do this and do that, but I suppose you're wanting to get these behaviours really ingrained. So the unpacking of what's going on behind the scenes and psychologically will really enable you to do that a lot more effectively.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Julie. So I really come from the approach that... There's two sides to managing our money. There's the external side that I did as a traditional financial advisor and that most of the financial services industry operate in all the external. But we also have an internal relationship with money. Mm. And that's where I spend most of my time working with clients because we need to take both of those approaches to be successful in managing our money, I believe. Yes, I totally agree with you.
1: And another quote I love that you say to women is that if you can buy shoes, you can buy shares. I think that's so powerful. (laughs) And do you think women's resistance around managing their money, and I know I'm speaking very generally here, from my banking background, I also saw a lot of women leaving that role, the money role, up to their husbands or their partners. So, And sometimes, you know, if, if the relationship broke down, they didn't know where they were at in terms of their money situation, which can be incredibly disempowering and a massive concern. But do you think that the resistance around managing their money or knowing the numbers is a generational thing and do you
0: see it improving? Yeah, that's a great question and insight from your experience in banking as well. I see a significant difference in women in their 40s, kind of approaching their 50s, compared with women I work with in their mid-20s. These younger women are much more proactive and interested in their money, certainly much more than I was in my 20s. Yeah, <laughs> they're, um, they're quite focused on financial independence Whereas in contrast, what I've observed working with women of a similar vintage to myself, and I'm going to say you as well, Julie, is that there's a real resistance or avoidance to money matters, which now when they come to this age is causing them an anxiety and stress because once they hit their 40s and, you know, before that, they've just had other priorities, be it their career, their family or other things that are just more important to them. Money didn't really register as one of those things. And then they hit their 40s and they're a lot more focused on wanting to change, to engage with their money, to take responsibility rather than leaving it to their partner. But the problem is they've got no idea where to start, how to learn or who to trust. Mm. The, the thing is, and that's why I said if you can shop, you know, if you can shop for shoes, you can shop for shares. You know, the thing is that women have everything they need to be really good investors we just need to apply the same as strategies that we use to purchasing things that we care about to uh, the way that they approach their money and, and investing. And if I can give you an example, say you had to renovate your kitchen, what would you do? You'd do the research, you'd work out exactly what you were looking for and the functionality you wanted your kitchen to have. Mm. You'd shop around, you'd talk to other experts, friends or family who've been through the process and done their kitchen. You'd examine the costs. You do a bit of due diligence on a few different kitchen suppliers. So all of these steps is a strategy. That's all it is. So we can apply that same strategy to an investment portfolio, to shares or to property. So as women, we need to move from being consumers to being investors.
1: Yeah, that's so powerful. I love that from being consumers to being investors. And, yeah, I, I share your um, observations. Obviously, I'm not in that field anymore, but certainly along our younger generation just seems to be a whole lot more interested. And, of course, you know, the increase with homelessness with women now, which is a whole nother, um conversation that we could probably have. You know I think is a is a massive concern for women, and we really need to take control and understand exactly where our money is at.
0: Ah, uh, it is Julie, like the stats are saying that the greatest highest growing population of homeless people are women yeah. over fifty uh, to sixty. Mm. It's the biggest growing group of homelessness, and it really frightens me,
1: yeah, absolutely me too, me too. So money is entwined into all areas of our lives. So not only does it facilitate us to be able to eat, to live, to accumulate assets and do our amazing kitchens, <laughs> but it impacts on our well-being and our relationships and our family. So it sort of permeates through everything. So could you talk to us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So, you know, as primitive human beings, which we all are, we can find real similarities in food and money. Mm. They're both needed for survival. So often our instinctual behaviours kick in when it comes to money and it's almost like that freeze, flight or fight responses. We do those same things with our money. And as I said earlier on, there's a real emotional aspect of our money Mm. and we get triggered based on how we were raised growing up. So it's really important to be clear on, you know, what does money mean to you? Is it security and safety? Does it mean freedom and choices? Or is it fun and adventure? Because they're all really different meanings and, you know, money has no meaning. It's just a medium of exchange. You know, we go to work or we run a business and exchange our time for money and that's all it is. But we attach so many emotions and meanings to the concept of money. And depending on what money means to you and your beliefs around uh, how much money you deserve, it's really going to determine and be a significant factor in your financial position. And I love how you raise that, you know, money being connected to our well-being because, you know, we all need a level of financial well-being. And there's so many statistics on how financial stress impacts our health and our ability to concentrate at work, to be productive and to be happy. Did you know that the second highest cause of marriage separation is money, right behind infidelity? So it's a huge issue for us. It
1: is. It really is a huge issue. I didn't know that stat. It Mm. doesn't surprise me though. And Money can create happiness. I don't believe it is the thing that makes us happy, but it can create happiness for sure and enable us to lead perhaps a little bit of a stress, a more stress-free life, but it can create so much stress and anxiety within people. Absolutely, yeah. So in saying that, can you share with us your, your, perhaps your top three tips for managing our money with the longer-term goal in mind?
0: Mm, I'd love to. So the first one, think of your finances like a business or a company. So if you own your own business or you're an employee of a company, what do they have in place for financial success? You know, they have a purpose, you know, why that company exists. And our money also needs a purpose and direction. So make financial goals is my first tip. Yeah. Because it's going to give your money uh, a direction to take and a purpose. And it's going to give you that why for what you do with your money. Mm. So the second one is that I'm pretty sure uh, the job that you have now, you probably needed to do some study to get that job or do some training on the job or get some experience. We need to apply this to our finances as well. So, you know, a lot of the, you know, we talk about the superannuation gap and the income gap. I also believe there's a confidence gap. That women have. And the only way to remedy this is to actually learn more about finances and managing our money. So, you know, do some learnings. There's so many books and podcasts and online courses, investors clubs. So my second tip is to really build some knowledge around your finances and how to manage money and how to invest, because that's going to build your confidence and capability uh, to be able to manage your money more effectively. Mm. And then my third tip and most important one is, as I said before, you know, managing our money is as much internal as it is external. So if you don't have the financial results you want or that you thought you'd have by now, you know, take time to ask yourself, you know, what's getting in the way? Because without exception, I expect it will be your mindset. So just be really clear on, you know, what does money mean to you? Go back and reflect on, your childhood, what was money like for you growing up? Was it a space of joy and happiness and abundance or was there stress and anxiety around your family growing up with money? And then think about your mum. How would you describe her around money? What traits would you say that she has or behaviours that she had around her money? And then ask yourself, well, did I inherit any of those? And then do the same with your father. What was dad like with money? How would you describe him with money? And did I take on any of his traits or behaviours? And for those of you that had, you know, whether it be a parent or whoever raised you, whoever was a significant adult for you growing up, you know, as children we were all very highly conditioned around what we think feel and act with money based on what we experience growing up so my third tip is to really reflect internally around what money means to you i love those they're all
1: building on each other so the first one around like the setting the goals and i love that you say that really helps you understand the why you're doing what you're doing which is incredibly important In terms of anything that we do, just being really connected to that, it's like we know we might be sacrificing that pair of shoes for this greater goal. What it's going to enable us to do, which I think is really, really
0: awesome that's right yeah I've even got um, you know a template on my website that people can go and have a look at and it's about you know investing 101 and the first thing is being really clear on why you're investing mm. is it for capital growth for the longer term or do you want to generate some passive income now to substitute the income that you're earning from work or for a business it's really important to understand why you're doing what you're doing with your money and like you said before it can also act as a motivation so you know to ask yourself do i need that extra pair of shoes or that handbag or that new outfit yeah or is that money going to taking me closer towards my purpose and what i really want in life what's really important to me
1: yeah absolutely so that's great second one being you know really build your knowledge around that to improve your confidence within that space and the third being around reflecting internally and really understanding your i suppose your money mindset and what baggage you might be carrying around from previous, so, (laughs) or from parents or whatever that looks like so you can really get yourself on the right track.
0: Yes, absolutely, yes. We don't just inherit, uh, you know, money from our parents. We inherit their um, money behaviours and patterns and traits as well. So just get really clear. And, you know, the, the the thing is that, it's not our fault. So that's what I like to share with clients is, you know, if you've got some really unresourceful or challenging behaviours or patterns that you seem to go over and over again, they're not actually your fault. That's It's the way that you were raised. But there comes a point in time, Julie, where you come of an age where it now becomes your responsibility. And if it's not working Mm. for you financially, it's now your responsibility to make changes to those. I love that. Not your fault, but it's now your responsibility. Now, you mentioned before
1: that you work with couples, which I'm quite fascinated about because (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine that that brings up a whole lot of stuff. So you must be incredibly skilled at managing people's emotions, but also your own because I can only imagine like the, the room would be very, very emotionally charged sometimes. Not all the time, but, you know, Maybe initially people need to work through some stuff. So how do you ensure that you don't take on other people's emotions and allow it to drain your energy or potentially make you feel like you want to save them? Because I can see that you have a lot of passion around what you do and, you know, maybe I'm projecting here, but often I feel like I I need to save them. It's like, oh, no, no, I just want to make you feel
0: better. (laughs) rather than let them sit in what they need to sit in. You're right. I do see the full spectrum of emotions (laughs) when I coach couples. Um, And to be honest, Julie, I think you've caught me out. I don't think I've yet mastered this for myself as to how to protect myself emotionally. Um, So maybe I could get some great tips from you. (laughs) (laughs) What I do focus on is, you know, creating a really safe space it's judgment free. And it's a it's a place where I can help clients explore and acknowledge their emotions. Because I believe that, you know, growing up, we're taught to to bury our emotions, we're not taught to fully experience our emotions. So, you mm. know, as children, it's very much if you start crying, so like, oh, I'll stop crying, or go to your room, or um, what? What are you crying for? And you know, we, we never got to really express our emotions. So, you know, in coaching sessions, I, I really encourage people to acknowledge how they're feeling, describe how they're feeling, and and be curious about why you're feeling that way. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I I do very much and I totally get you that I just want to fix you or I just want to help you but that's the client's journey to take. So whilst I can facilitate and ask the right questions, it really needs to come from them mm. because then they've taken ownership for what it is that they've determined rather than me saying, well, I've mind read you and this is what I think the problem is. It's much more uh, constructive and valuable if the client can actually um, identify that for themselves rather than me telling it to them, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. People really, as you say, need to go through their own journey and just work it through for themselves.
0: Now, how can people get in touch with you? So there's plenty of useful information and tools and calculators and pieces on my website that your listeners are very welcome to download or have a read of. And they are at www.womentalkingfinance.com.au. And you can also find me on LinkedIn um, if you just search Karen Ely and I put lots of articles and posts and share my thoughts and views on things there. So the website and LinkedIn are pretty good places where I hang out quite a bit.
1: Awesome and I will share the links with our listeners on the show notes so you can easily click on those and grab those downloads which are incredibly helpful. So Karen I've really loved chatting with you today and you know i love to keep talking to you about all things money but I'd, I'd really like to finish on my favorite question which is how would you like to be
0: remembered? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I really want to transform the way that we approach managing money. So, in my industry, financial services, it's very much focused on providing external solutions you know, for often internal problems. Mm. So, you know, those problems of, you know, we we tend to place too much responsibility on money. If I just had more money, my life would be better. If I could just get rid of this debt, I'd be happier. Um, But so my goal is to really create an awareness as to how examining our beliefs and behaviours are really the foundation to having a great relationship with money and the results in sustainable and ongoing financial success for individuals. And you know, I want Australians to also have an alternative to seeing a financial advisor because sometimes they just need a few small steps to get started. So it might just be taking that first step of putting a budget together or making decisions about where I should allocate some money. And they can focus on doing this for a few years until they feel like they're ready to see a financial advisor. So that's probably how I'd like to to be remembered and have a legacy. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And, of course, this podcast is
1: called Making It Count and I love how you are making it count in your world and for those around you in such a holistic way and such an empathic and and caring way for those who, you know, can often feel really quite confronted with with money and their financial situation, and like you say, it, it's it's sometimes just about making a start, and it can just be taking that first step, which will which will get you to a much better place. So, thank you, Karen,
0: and um, I look forward to taking some of those tips on myself. Thank you for having me, Julie. I really enjoyed our conversation and discussion about money. So thank, thank you. you.
1: thanks for listening. And I hope that you have gained some great ideas and feel inspired to get out there and make what you do count for your leadership, your business, and your life. Please do leave a review for this podcast and please share it with your network. Send any feedback or suggestions for future guests by emailing me julie at juliehyde.com.au. For now, let's get out there and make it count.